0: Mm-hmm. Darmstadt on Air number 19 Schöne Stellen, Beautiful Moments Hans Tomala and Catherine Young in Conversation Welcome to Darmstadt on Air, a podcast with conversations on music that are hosted by tutors of the Darmstadt Summer Course. I'm Silvia Freidank from the Darmstadt team and I have the pleasure of introducing episode number 19 with Hans Tomala and Catherine Young. For this podcast, the two composers have picked music that they like and find beautiful. Starting with one moment from each other's oeuvre, they discuss music by the Roscoe Mitchell sextet, by Carola Baukold and by Michel Lou. And they also ask what makes beautiful moments, as did Theodor v. Adorno in his radio essay from 1965, which has the same title, Schöne Stellen, Beautiful Moments. Hans Tomala has a long history with Darmstadt. Winner of the Kranichstein Music Prize in 2004, he has been a regular member of the faculty during the last years. Hans was born in Germany in 1975 and is Professor for Composition at Northwestern University in Chicago, where he founded and directs the Institute for New Music. He invited Catherine Young for the podcast, who works as a composer, bassoonist and improviser. When she first came to Darmstadt in 2014, she won a stipend prize of the summer course and was commissioned a new piece for guitar and electronics. Catherine is now based in Atlanta, where she teaches composition at Emory University. But she also has deep ties to the Chicago music scene, having lived and made music there for many years. Enjoy listening.
1: Hi, Katie. Great to hear you.
0: Hi, Hans. How are you?
1: I'm good. Uh, It's nice that you join me here for this podcast, Darmstadt on Air. And I thought we'd briefly introduce ourselves first. So why don't you start?
2: Okay, sure. Um, My name is Katie Young. I am living in Atlanta right now. I am a composer, bassoonist, improviser, Um, yeah.
1: Great. And I'm Hans Tomala. I'm a composer living in Chicago and spent the last year basically uh, as we all at home working on a new orchestra piece and I was very lucky to have my opera performed in Germany so working on that edit and maybe we hear a little bit of that today. Yeah. Uh, When I was asked to do a Darmstadt on air for this uh, year um, I thought a little bit about it and found it first of all I wanted to have something to talk about that actually lets us also play some music. Um, And then I thought it would be nice to speak about something, how do I put this, like positive (laughs) or uplifting in all of this mess during the last year, Um, and was coming up with this idea of picking schöne Stellen, as it's said in German, beautiful moments, where we both pick a few moments in music mostly recent music, but doesn't have to be that we like, that we somehow find beautiful, schön, and then talk about what we hear there and why we might find them beautiful. So this was kind of the setup, and I'm glad you joined me for this. And I have to say right away, it was already for me a success insofar that I listened to some new music that you suggested, and I was able to sort of broaden my horizon a bit, which is always great.
2: And yeah. I, likewise, I enjoyed the having to a structure in which to sit down and actually just listen for a little while. It's easy to somehow not listen to music as much right. as I want to. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: I think everybody sort of in the professional business of music deals with that anxiety and, and lack of time to listen. Um,
2: and especially since we can't go to concerts, I feel like that's something that concerts give me is like I go and I'm. this is a ritual where I sit and listen and without that I've really missed it
1: yes I agree and even you know Darmstadt for me always has this um, that you come back sort of with a bag full of listening experiences of music that you wouldn't have picked out on your own maybe and so I think this might be a chance to do this now for 40 minutes to share with each other and then with the listeners some kind of greatest hits of moments of the last couple of years um, maybe one last sentence um, we know each other from quite a while you were at Northwestern and I think um, it's nice to have this team of the two of us because we have quite different I think interests in music mm-hmm. not only I think there's a big overlap of course but also um, there was a bit the idea as well to talk about Schöne Stellen, beautiful moments with someone who might not have Pick the same ones that you, you have picked. So I, anyway, Yeah, it was...
2: yeah, for sure.
1: And since I'm hosting this year from Chicago, I thought I'd start. Um, and I start with something we had briefly agreed on that we both pick one moment from each other's oeuvre to introduce our own music in some way, but also sort of listen to each other's music again and see what the other has been up to. And I wanted to start with... 30 seconds or so of your piece Camille and before I say what I hear there or why I might have picked this moment let's just listen to it fascinated me here when I heard the piece is this, I think, sort of wonderful balance of of a wide range of different layers, uh, of layers of meaning and of structure and of of musical activity that intersect and at the same same time, they open up so much associations and sort of conflicting fields of of references. And I want to briefly describe sort of what I hear here. And the music before, just for context, as I heard it, um, sort of progresses slowly, I think, through a landscape of, of interesting noises, little activities, little figures, strange sounds. But when we arrive at this point, I think this sort of exploratory direction is suspended for a bit, and it stays on these small loops and, and small oscillations, which all of themselves already have kind of interesting uh, conflicting forces. So, for example, the guitar, if I mm-hmm. want to start with that, which I think stands out a little bit in this moment, is, is a sort of a quasi-tonal chord.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Already
1: in itself, it's between major and minor. So E major, E minor with a G sharp on the top of the G natural. And then it's also a little bit between nature of the guitar tuning, which sort of since yeah it's almost associated with the, the nature of the instrument and and culture of tonality and between articulated tone and then the messy noisy bowing and then the percussion is, i think it's a no input mixer sort of this this very fast loop pulsation a bit tom tom esque if i'm correct <laughs> it's <laughs> also a, kind of a, a association between it's, it's almost pitched but also noisy um, and just hovering at the perception of pitch and the piano doing a similar activity sort of fast pulsation but now it's manual by hand and then the the saxophone playing this multiphonic which again is sort of in between noise and harmony and pulsation through the trills and stasis and anyway this for me the the to summarize this moment it's kind of a a balancing act between mechanical sort of machine-like activity and manual and non-mechanical and nature-like activity the multiphonic, um, the guitar strings and so on and then the, the oscillation between harmony, noise tonality, non-tonality all of that for some extended moment creates this incredible richness where our perception then is the last level of oscillation where we suddenly, I, I sort of drift into different fields of references and back mm. out again. Anyway, that was now my brief summary of how <laughs> I heard your piece. You probably did the exact opposite of oh, what, how do you, how do you think about that? No, <laughs> I'm, I'm
2: ac- you can't see because it's, because there's no video, but yeah. I'm actually grinning because, uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, that's a beautiful um, way of perceiving things. And I mean, actually right on the head kind of in the sense of what I was thinking about, which were, um, the, the piece was kind of about hybridized, um, animals that have like mechanistic, um, Mm -hmm. and sort of bio, um, Biomechanistic um, manipulations made to them. So I was actually thinking about like what it would sound like to be a kind of hybrid human butterfly mm-hmm. machine animal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so yeah, this was s- sort of the moment of flight when um, the animal is s- just sort of in its fullest form, ah, okay. um, living, it's doing its thing, yeah. um, float, flying <laughs> around. Um,
1: <laughs> well, you created so, a super. <laughs> Beautiful butterfly there. It's I think it's flying quite
2: nicely. Um,
1: yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: So that's that was the imagery in my head when I was kind of finding the sounds and the uh, for the piece and the, the how to put it together. Um,
1: maybe can you t- say one more sentence about the technology? I'm not sure if I got this all right. The the
2: score yeah, so, is quite
1: complex. I looked at it and uh, yeah.
2: oh, oh, of the of the electronics in the piece. Yeah. Maybe it was, sort of
1: did it, did it describe correctly the techniques that are going on or?
2: Yeah, so I, th- the, at this moment, we've got um, the percussion is playing a no input patch that, mm-hmm. well, it's it's there is a no input aspect to the electronics there, but there is also an input to the mixer, which is um, a speaker that's on the snare drum. So, um, he's. On working on the drum head and then that's going into the mixer and that is balanced and mixed with this no input circuit in the mixer as well and so he's kind of there's this a little bit of a feedback loop there and then I think the the pianist also utilizes um a no input but that's not happening yet I don't think so he's just like doing some amplified um Percu- sort of mm-hmm. percussive things inside the low strings of the piano with a mallet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and otherwise, the guitar is using a bow and playing that chord that you described um, with a vault with volume pedal swells, so it's sort of coming in and out. Um,
1: right. The, yeah. That, which I forgot about that, which also adds, of course, a layer of strange ambiguity between mechanical and manual or pedestrian, I guess, with a footpath. <laughs> yeah. Where we hear the, uh, you know, voltage-controlled swell back and forth, but it has some kind of human quality to it. Um, and then with the bowing, which creates this very messy articulation of time that comes with the back and forth of the bow. Uh, right. I, yeah, I find this, this ambiguity of of, of repetition in, in these different fields for me the most fascinating. And obviously, and we talk about moments in this 45 minutes here. You can't extend this forever. At some point, perception sort of locks in and, and feels like, okay, we got this. But right. this one hovers quite perfectly in this 30 seconds, I think.
2: Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's also a credit to Nickel, who did a, a really amazing job with the performance, right? And sort of mm-hmm. this, I'm not exactly sure where we started listening in terms of the score, but some at some point around this moment, and part of the moment, is these So I didn't actually notate the exact changes. Um, So we had sort of built up and it was in a meter for, you know, coming to this point. Um, And then we sort of use the tempo of the the no input mixer to kind of set a new, have a Uh sort of tempo change. But yeah, it's basically just kind of a suspended moment. Yeah. With Uh a under a fermata for a little while.
1: Great. Should we move on to the next moment that you brought?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So my moment, let's, well, let's go ahead and talk about, about yours. Um, So this is a moment from the first act of your opera and that this is from, that was premiered this during COVID, right? Yeah.
1: Right. And the brief summer of, uh, uh, how do you say it? <laughs> of where we all thought of, of, having, of having a break in Germany, that uh, <laughs> interestingly, after the last performance, everything shut down then too. Um, so I was extremely lucky. I
2: You got in, in that thanking magical
1: Michael window.
2: God, so, yeah. yeah. So this is only the third song or so in the, the piece, right? Um, it's
1: the second yeah, song,
2: actually. Second yeah. song, okay, yeah. Um, and it's... I guess the, well, we can just, we can just listen well, to it. But yeah? i to listen briefly. Yeah, I, <laughs> I have it line up. Yeah. Well, it's just a beautiful moment, and it, to me, really spoke to me because I think of the sort of vulnerability um, mm-hmm. that the character is is showing in this moment, sort of talking about this, like, really fundamental need um, <laughs> to be held, mm-hmm. to be loved, um, to be kind of taken care of to some extent, Um and just saying it in such plain, clear language, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, think that's something not easy to do, and really, yeah, really vulnerable. And um, so I, I really loved it for that reason. And then the the music, I just thought perfectly held the singer in a sense, and um, created in a in a different way than than what we just listened to, but also a kind of suspended moment where the the singer is repeating um, some text. There's, we, we're kind of, give, the audience and listener is also given a moment to kind of process a lot of the content and um, intense feelings that have already been brought up in the, the opera so far. Um, so I found it to be a, a really kind of, beautiful space for me to have a sort of a moment of self-reflection and kind of emotional processing of, of what all had been happening in the music. Um, and, and then just in terms of the, the sort of technical side of things, I, I just, I, I loved the, 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 subtle dissonances and the, the layers that kept crossing, um, you know, in these quiet wind held tones crossing with the, strings and the are occasional but not in a way that you regular in the sense of you could predict when the piano and the um guitar plucked chords were going to happen pluck notes Some um, and and so this sort of just like like a cloud of uh, these different clouds that were kind of supporting the singer um and then the real clincher was the way <laughs> <laughs> the way that the singer sa- sang the like second to la- last hold. I think it's on an A, and she uh, and she just um, like timbly modulated her voice in such a beautiful way to blend with and the timbres of the ensemble. I, I just loved it. Um,
1: okay, so, great. Yeah, yeah. That's, I- I'm glad you heard it that way because that was sort of my intent when I wrote it to create this space and it was a bit risky. It's early in the opera and (laughs) I've been in in theater long enough to know to slow down time so much so early on is a bit risky that people, you know, first you you want to uh, pull them along a little bit in the story narrative, but Mm -hmm. I felt this is so intrinsic to this piece, this sense of loss of direction that i have to set this quite early on in the piece the first song is a total the opposite total explosion of of energy and then then it needs this counterbalance of loss of 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 directionality
3: Mm -hmm.
1: and it started with the it's basically a, a big slowdown of what happened before in this in the refrain of, of the song and she sings I wish he would hold me talking about uh, another character and just by slowing it down and reducing the text it ends as her singing hold me so the subjunctive sort of turns into the imperative where mm-hmm. it becomes oh, and yeah. uh, what makes it present at that moment i wish he would hold me Is of course a future you know thought and and now hold me suddenly we are in, in presence and i try to do the same with the music that by stretching it we lose the cadential direction of some of these tonal elements and just sit in the sound itself and then as you described sort of the stretched wind vibrato sounds all become so long and slow that we really start to be in the moment rather than seeing it as a transition to something else and in the piece is about these four young characters and, and their anxiety and I think in this moment that you picked already we get a glimpse of the wider picture because it this loss of direction and loss of of any sense of goal I would say and just yeah. being left in this suspended presence has to do of course with a wider experience in in late capitalism where what is there even if you succeed you know we're in this stagnation of everything since 40 years and i I sense this um, even if you if you do everything right and even if you have a goal it's it's unreachable and that kind of i wanted to capture this um but of course there's also there's can also be a liberating beauty in this, um, so it's it's more ambiguous in a way than I make it sound now
2: <laughs> yeah well i I don't know i I feel like there's something empowering, like you say, in her turning it into from a wish into an imperative where there's mm-hmm. that's like a strong statement and of what she needs, and I think like i don't know that's actually a pretty empowering place for someone mm-hmm especially someone you know a teenager to be in a place where they're like this is what I need right. please you know yeah. um, so. and it's the
1: sad thing is if you keep listening to the whole piece the line comes back uh, which yeah you know I didn't plan for it kind of happened in composing that she sings later don't hold me um, and so with right. the kind of same melody and then as a real friction to what's going around it's um, but with the same kind of sadness to it so it, it's that's the lovely part about setting up structures like this in composing. You, you know, can bring them back, and 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 they create their own life, so to say. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Should we move on to the next one? I, um, sure. Uh, and I, maybe you you, you share a second one. Is it okay? So we go sort of.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, um, great. So the next example I shared was. Um, From Roscoe Mitchell's Sextet's album Sound from the 1968 Delmark recording, this is the title track Sound. And I picked a moment, uh, not quite at the beginning, but towards the first part of the piece.
1: Let's listen to it. It's a fantastic example, so thanks for sharing this. Um, yeah. Do you want to say a few words? Why sure.
2: Well, um, <clears throat> so this, what we heard was um, the end of sort of the first main section of the piece, which was, as as we could hear, it had this sort of, the suspended cymbal role that Alvin Fielder was playing, um, which just gives this gorgeous pad, um, and then... Uh, these sort of slow chorale played by the winds. Um, <clears throat> and then what what I love is how you get kind of lost in that chorale and the sort of beautiful melodies that kind of float over this cymbal roll and the pizzicato bass drone that Malachi Favors is doing. and um, And then that, in a very cinematic way, that kind of just, Disappears, um, and you're left with this sort of scene change where suddenly you hear these that kind of pulls. You know, you get these little clackety bells, and it's like we're almost in a we've gone outside or something. Right. You know, we've got a total scene change, um, and and I think that there's a lot of you know there's constant sound in the in the opening chorale, but somehow the pacing of it all sets us up to be really comfortable with the silences and the sort of lack of direct, of sort of more traditional musical direction that this section um, initiates uh, with with the silences and the space and the sort of patient listening that it it, it sort of wants from us, I feel like. And, and then you get that incredible sounding, uh, I don't know if it's a trumpet or flugelhorn, but Lester Bowie's solo, um, that comes in right towards the end there. Right. This just sounds so cool. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: I find it fascinating that you described it exactly the same way with cinematic that I heard. For for me, there, so the music before it is still, can be described sort of as a musical section. You have, as you say, the, the, the noise in the background, but the foreground of the horns, chorale, dominates, has, has a phrasing, a structure in some form. But mm-hmm. it's almost like at the moment that you then pick, the sort of the fader goes from uh, diegetic to non-diegetic, or or the opposite, actually, where where we (laughs) suddenly hear the soundscape, um, right? Uh, And the the little bells uh, in the beginning are just Yeah, and and I I feel like (laughs) they
2: they feel like they've been there all along. Um, They feel very... They feel very diegetic to the scene somehow, but right. but yet we hadn't heard them before. And, and then they're revealed in this beautiful way. Yeah.
1: And I and then there's this clicking of metal and the, is it like a water gong or sort of, a yeah. whoa. <laughs> and all of this adds to the fact that I suddenly hear us in a in a radio play or a film soundscape. And it could be like a Kurosawa movie or something where you hear a little, you know temple bells in the distance, and then this flute-like sound that Mm -hmm. seems more, um, yeah, naturalistic or realistic soundscape than music in the sense of uh, this is uh, absolutely... Yeah, like,
2: right, like a bird call or something, right, right, sort of just...
1: And then the beginning of the solo, you mentioned the, the high, extremely sort of lip noises, for one brief second, I think at exactly four, sec- four minutes, it sounds like seagulls to me, <laughs> or like <laughs> birds in the distance. So it all creates a soundscape anyway, uh, which the, the ability to move in and out of perception that way, yeah, I, I totally fascinated me. And I had to laugh because I remember your own interest in this kind of thing with your, I think your string quartet from years ago where you are fascinated by Ennio Morricone's sort of sound, uh, the Once Upon a Time in the West soundscape. Oh, yeah,
2: right. <laughs> and sort of
1: setting up, you know, this space of something between naturalistic and music um, hovering sort of ambiguously in between both. I could totally see how you've into this.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, you know, but it, there's also this suspension, I think, that sort of happens, this... Like the opening chorale sort of sets us up with this we're sort of moving forward slowly and then we're like released onto the the wind and we're sort of floating in a parachute, right, over this, right. Uh, this soundscape. And um, and I it's just a beautiful feeling of where you feel like you really trust the music, you know, to right. take care of you. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's
1: it's interesting, it really helps to listen and in- Good headphones. It has such a fantastic stereo panning, which you sort of this metal clicks come from the back of my left head, so to say, <laughs> and it, it amplifies a sense of space. I think
2: right, uh, and the, um, a lot of those those sounds are quite quiet. the The water gong and stuff. They didn't mix those heavily into the yeah. foreground. They let them stay
1: right, kind
2: of fairly ambient.
1: Should we move on to the next one?
2: Yeah, I guess so. I could, like, hang out with all of these for, like, I like know. a long time. But, yes, let's, we can keep <laughs> But I think it goes with it.
1: the topic of our podcast, too.
2: Right, Accept moments. them okay.
1: as moments, as bagatelles of listening, so to say. Um, the next, yeah, let them one,
2: go. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> The next one I picked is a Doppelbelichtung from Carola Baukold, um, a fantastic piece that I Discovered by pure coincidence, listening to public radio, German public radio over the internet late at night, doing parts. Oh, nice. and Yeah, and I was like, "Whoa, this is fascinating!" And I think what attracted me so to this is it's based on bird calls, but way more interesting than so many other bird call pieces I've heard. That it messes completely with what is original and what is mimesis and usually you know you somebody records a bird call transcribe them and then writes music about it and here it's not so clear sort of who is original and who is being mimicked and so she has this i think 12 track tape um, with bird calls that are being played back through speakers but also through violin corpses where speaker transducers are uh, attached to. So already the violin is a speaker of bird calls. And then, of course, mm-hmm. a live violin solo uh, plays extremely high figures based on these bird calls. Let's listen to, to that moment.
2: Okay, great. Uh. Yeah.
1: I, I like this moment this is already 840 minutes into the piece a rich texture of Bird Calls and then comes in this Robin chat, and it's I think an extremely funny moment in the piece not just beautiful but I kind of had to laugh and then I wanted to find out why and I think what happens here is again this sort of undermining of identities the Robin chat comes first in as a violin. Motive, and then we hear the original slow down, and what is lovely about this is this melody of bum, bum, ba-da, bum, bum, bada could be from a Schubert or Mendelssohn you know folkish <laughs> song actually when i when I listened to it a little bit more, I thought even it could be right from from a moment in, in Beethoven's seventh symphony first. First movement, or even oh. the, the beginning of Donkey Shot by Richard Strauss. The, the leading tone into the third. Du, 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 oh, yeah. Anyway, sort of, the, it's completely blurred. Sort of, how is culture mimicking nature? And here, the bird seems to mimic all these great composers, if you <laughs> go for that term. And um, then also. She slows it down, uh, which or brings it down, then also in, in pitch to make it more um, uh, audible and connected with the music. And it has this funny element: the the violin playing extremely high, and the bird going a little bit down from its normal register. Right.
3: Yeah. Which I
1: had to think of this sort of they they both stretch in extreme directions to to touch to connect a mm-hmm. bit like sort of the the. Uh, God-touching man in Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel. I'm not sure this famous picture, you, you know that the, the finger is almost touching. Oh, yeah. I had to, uh-huh. had to laugh about this, sort of <laughs> the bird coming down from and, and, and into cultured music. And then there's one other angle to it, because Carola really did this perfectly detailed matters, as we know, and if you if you look at the transcription it goes up a tiny bit in pitch microtonally towards the end of the phrase the, the, the robin chat gets louder and louder and it's almost like he we anthropomorphize him so much he gets more and more excited and wants to show off his call and and presses a bit too hard
2: <laughs> so
1: the pitch goes up and like ah almost do it you know and i i just love that in 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 this moment anyway maybe i'm, I'm curious what you heard in this
2: yeah well i uh I mean, I think it also made me laugh in a good way. Um, I, I, sometimes when I'm most enjoying a listening experience, I'll just want to laugh. And it's not, it's, it's like a great, it's a great thing, great feeling. Um, right. But <laughs> where you're just, oh, that's so, so a little bit surprising, but in a way that, um, yeah, it's not a shock. It's just a beautiful beautiful new thing um and i think the other part that was a, a little bit uh kind of created a distancing or a sort of um destabilization of the identities as you mentioned was the the fact that you know we could hear that the bird pitch had been pitched down so mm-hmm. there's this residue and trace of the technological manipulation um that i is kind of kind of funny in a way and sort of like um in a, in a way that it's it's honest and it's like sort of not trying to hide the the technological uh tools that were used to to create this this moment of almost touching right where right yeah so yeah it's,
1: I, it's sort of in a Artificial space from, to start with sort of acknowledging this yeah. and I think that makes it much more fruitful for dialogue because we, we're all, all all characters so to say from violin to bird calls are placed in already a mechanically uh, altered art, virtual space and um, yeah I I also f- love about this entrance of the Robin Hood. it's a real entrance almost like a theatrical he kind of comes in with a slight crescendo and (laughs) first is still a little bit in the background there's something else going on and then suddenly he has his spotlight on him you know and sings and pushes too hard
2: (laughs) yeah and it makes me think about is it in like in uh mary poppins or some of movies from that time when like a bird would land on on a actor's finger (laughs) and but it would be a mechanical bird and you could see it do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? It's, in yeah, Mary, I think Poppin? that a
1: Mary Poppins. <laughs> that <a>
2: <laughs> I, I watched that not that re- not that long ago. I guess is the truth. So, uh, right. Yeah, and, and and the you can t- when you're watching that film also similarly like you know it's not a real bird, but it does it does what it needs to do there to bring her to make her Mary Poppins seem like this magical woman who can have a bird come and hang out right. on her finger. So, yeah.
1: I didn't think about that connection. Uh, Great. Um, Let's have one more. Do you want to maybe bring your next example?
2: Oh, are we? Yeah, are we running low on time? Let's see. Um, So my next one was um, from Michelle Liu's piece, Different Furs, recorded by Yarnwire. And I don't know. I I picked a moment. I feel like I could have picked almost any moment in, I just love listening to this piece, but um, yeah, let's take a listen to uh, this particular portion.
1: I think it's a great piece. I I didn't know this, so thanks for sharing this too. Uh, uh wonderful. I also see a lot of connections to your own music <laughs> and to other music we discussed today So it, I think it, it fits in quite beautifully.
2: Yeah, I know. I as I was thinking about what to what to say about this moment, I I was thinking that the, yeah, there, there's a lot of connections to other things we've been talking about, but I just think I you get I get lost in this piece and it's a beautiful experience, you know, the whole piece is 33 minutes, right? So it's a long, long process and things evolve at slow paces. Some things last a really long time, but then other things come and go really quickly. And I think that's part of what I liked about this particular moment um, shortly after we started listening, where we've been in a space where we have this melodic material that's sort of foregrounding with the this I don't know if it's a toy piano or some kind of like high high chord high chordy melodic material, um, and then that 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 leaves us and makes space for this just like little bubbly gurgly solo um, for just a few minutes, and I think that sound had been or not even minutes, a few seconds, and then that sound had had been around, but but it gets kind of brought to the fore, and and this just kind of change in perspective that kind of creates a sense of clearing in the music even though a lot of the layers stay and and sort of keep keep churning mm. along um, it was just I thought a subtle a subtle beautiful moment
1: yeah i I was fascinated because the way she balances noises and noises with pitch content and I find it's fascinating it starts more clearly as sort of a noise based texture right but I'm not sure, is it the, the main sort of pulse that goes through? Is it, is it some wooden or extremely high tom-toms or bongos yeah, or something? Yeah, clack. Yeah. That has a clear pitch content, which at some point almost has like a Phrygian central note to it where you have leading tones from above. And I think that holds everything together as pulse and as a pitch, but it's just not pitched enough to open up possibilities for other sounds to connect. And then... Right. You a bit almost like the, the, the uh, Roscoe Mitchell example you brought, it at moments briefly moves the fader into something more soundscape ish when like the rattling of could almost be like dishes rattling.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but that happens just when also the actual bass melody, so now we're in an actual right. groove with the bass, right. you know, the giving fundamental everything kicks in. So once she goes in one direction to more soundscape, she pr- immediately goes to more song-like actual mm-hmm. musical structure. Uh, so it's a, it's a great sense of counterpoint in a meta way, I feel, um, as between pitch and noise. And then even little funny things. I've I heard this before the bass comes in, this plucky sound, almost like an unamplified funk bass <laughs> slapping or something. <laughs> and it, it creates this intersection again, a bit like as we talked in the beginning of different layers of meaning that briefly get stuck or suspended on one but then open up another connection and, and mm-hmm. creates this rich moment in the in the sense of beautiful moment I feel
2: yeah absolutely and and there's so many details so I listened to this moment several times in sort of preparation and and then, you know, each time I would hear something new and, like, there's these really quiet glisses inside the piano that that are inside there. So it's just such a rich a rich moment, yeah.
1: Right. Also beautifully produced, I played, I have to say. This is really uh, right. fantastic. It's just a joy to listen to. I, I feel we, even though we had one or even two more examples, we're a bit at the end of our time, and I want to maybe give one second to just think about more generally at beautiful moments um, we didn't touch upon this in the beginning but there is a famous Adorno article, we, we, we talked about this in preparation which was originally a, a radio program Schöne Stellen, Beautiful Moments where he thinks about what makes a beautiful moment and then he goes a little bit spießig as we say in German a little bit <laughs> petty bourgeois sort of uh, reader's digest from through his list of great composers and great in quotation marks from Bach to to <laughs> Beric, yeah, he
2: really hits the hits. Yeah, all the, he
1: goes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's all the points. <laughs> but
1: the introduction is actually interesting, and I, um, I it made me think about what makes beautiful moments for us. He for him, it's clearly a dialectic of a form of superstructure of the the total, the whole, and then the beautiful moments are where sort of the detail, the motive, the individual musical subject, right maintains its its own autonomy and i was wondering what where are we here what what is there anything in this beautiful moments you picked that we can generalize or how do you feel about that
2: well yeah i think it's the, well there's a lot of oh, it seem to be a lot of moments a lot of the, many of these moments seem to reveal something that was maybe there and then sort of let it be, be enjoyed or experienced for a longer time. There seem to also be these moments of that stretch time and kind of mm-hmm. suspend us, let us sort of float and hover in the in the music and the meaning. Um, I think he talks about musical context in a way, and and I was thinking that another thing I love is how these moments sort of. Sh- shift our perception as you, as you've been saying of the context, like where are we, what kind of mode of listening are we in? And they sort of seem to provoke motion through different, through different types of listening or sort of perspectives or contexts, allowing mm-hmm. it to be a, a richer context than maybe we had thought 10 seconds before. Right. Um, right. So.
1: Yeah. I, I had a similar impression. I felt these, Moments all share that they have an internal multiplicity. I could say that their identity is not fully clear, but an intersection of different strands of perception, different strands of meaning, different layers of meaning. And when these lines of meaning intersect, some complexity, some richness comes out of that. It is almost impossible to predict. Uh, Gerhard Richter, the, the painter, always has this quote that he. he Paints until he feels this picture is smarter than he is. <laughs> and I feel these moments <laughs> all have, have something that the music there is, is more than what might have been put into it. And, right. And I agree with you, this aspect of suspended time might have to do with our sense of history today and that this something happens where sort of the, the, what will be the train wreck, maybe, the train that becomes a train wreck stops for a second and um, and just holds off. Time and progression in time, and yeah, I, I find this interesting that I, I discovered this through through our,
2: yeah. our
1: moments that we picked.
2: And um, and I, I do think that also there's a there is this like with the suspension the the music holds us and and it and we feel like we feel kind of in a tr- trusted relationship with it. I think which. Is really beautiful to feel trust. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to be able to trust something. So
1: yeah. Well, anyway, we have more examples, so we have to do this again.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: weekly beautiful moments with Katie and Hans. <laughs> so uh, maybe not weekly, but <laughs> this was a great joy. Thanks for joining me, um, Katie, and yeah, thank I you, hope Hans. we meet in person soon again, either in Darmstadt or somewhere else.
2: Yeah, thank you. It was really a pleasure.
1: Okay, goodbye.
2: Bye.